Open your Bibles with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and then get Daniel chapter 7. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7. What we're looking at today, last week I got to preach one of my favorite messages because I'm preaching about who Jesus Christ is and how to, how to just defend our Savior to the world. The Apostle Paul said, I am set for the defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love that. And today I'm preaching a message that I just hate preaching. I, don't, I was talking with Dalton Robertson this morning. I, I wanted to check on something on a text that I knew that he had studied out. So I called him and uh, I told him, I hate it when I announce a sermon ahead of time because then I have to preach it. You know, I'm preaching in Florida this coming week. I'm just going to be suffering for Jesus down in Florida this week. It's just so hard being in the ministry. Guys, just think of all the stuff you give up for the Lord. You know, it's terrible. But uh, I'm preaching James Knox's conference down there this week. And he has assigned a text. And one of them is put on charity. So I've been studying what the Bible says about charity. And I wanted to preach that this morning. That's a lot more uplifting than preaching on the Antichrist. How many of you think that charity is a better topic than the Antichrist, right? But you know the Bible, there are a hundred specific references to the Antichrist in the Scriptures. And in 1 John, the Bible talks about the spirit of Antichrist that's already in the world. And so the Bible, the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts said, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And so if we're going to have a good understanding of what's going on in the world, we have to study who this person, the Antichrist, is, what the Bible says about him. And so what I want us to do today is we're going to look at this topic from three different perspectives, from an Old Testament perspective, from a New Testament Christian perspective, and then from the perspective of the book of Revelation after the church has been taken out. And I think that you'll see that they are different sides of this topic that really help us to flesh it out. Now, as I was preparing for this, my notes ended up being a small book. So there's no way that I can cover the whole topic in one service. And there's also no way that I'm going to spend more than one service on the Antichrist. I'd rather preach about Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to wing it this morning. I have no notes up here. I'm, we're just going to look at some texts. People who you guessed, you have no idea what that means. Other people in the church are going... Oh, no. Hopefully it comes together in some kind of, you know, sensible uh, message. But the Bible is so clear about this subject if you rightly divide the word of truth. Remember what the Bible says and all the Iwana young people, you all know this. Let's say it together. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Now, some of you almost embarrassed me. Let's say it like we mean it. Are you ready? Awesome. I think all the bold people are in the, are in the overflow this morning, though. Is that right, overflow? Yeah, see? And so, <laughs> when we approach the Bible that way, when we study to show ourselves approved unto God, 
workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, then the person of the Antichrist really comes into clear focus and we can understand not only who he is, but his plan, what he wants to accomplish, and what God has said about him. So we're going to start in 2 Thessalonians, but let me give you a little background of 1 and 2 Thessalonians. Every chapter in 1 Thessalonians deals with the rapture where Jesus Christ comes and takes every saved person out of the world and then begins to judge this world in that seven-year tribulation period. That's 1 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians deals primarily with Jesus Christ coming back to establish His kingdom. So let's just look at some passages to make sure that we get this. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And look at verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That's a comforting message, isn't it? That's such a comforting message. Go to Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Look at verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. That's a comforting message, isn't it? No, it's a different message. Do you see that? How many of you can see it's a different context? It's a different context. So when Jesus Christ comes back in the rapture, according to 1 Corinthians 15, that's in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. It happens very quickly. And all of a sudden, everybody's gone. They're just gone. And then the world has to find a way to explain the absence of all of these believers, possibly all of the babies in the world. Can you imagine? It's an amazing, it's going to be an amazing situation that they're going to have to try and get their heads around, and we're going to deal with how that happens here in a minute. But I want you to understand the context of 2 Thessalonians. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 again. So look at verse 9. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. That doesn't happen at the rapture. Wednesday night we looked at the judgment of the nations. This is the judgment of the nations. At the end of the tribulation period, there are some nations that get to go into the kingdom. There are some nations that don't get to go into the kingdom, and we trace that out through the Scriptures. If you're interested in that topic, I'm sure that the CD is back there available for you. Where's Pastor Nathan at? They're out there on the table. So those are available if you want to get that information. Um, so look at verse at the end of verse 9. From the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power, when He shall come to be glorified in His saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed. Now look at what it says. In that day. In that day. So when you see that day, almost every time that's the establishment of the kingdom on this earth, following the rapture in the tribulation period. But I want you to notice something really interesting in verse 7. And to you who are troubled, what's the next three words? Rest with us. That's the millennium, the millennial rest. So that's the context of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2. So now, let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to dive into this subject. This is 
the perspective that we as believers in the church age, what we are, the perspective that we are to have about this individual called the Antichrist. Now, let me just say what I mean by the church age. When you look all through the Old Testament, the Old Testament doesn't refer to the church. All right, Jesus Christ announced that in Matthew chapter 16. He referred to it in Matthew chapter 18. The Holy Spirit came and dwelt the church in Acts chapter 2. And then the Apostle Paul said that the mysteries of the church were revealed to him after Jesus Christ had, re- had appeared to him. And so that concept of the church is really a parenthesis in the plan of God for Israel. So the two different, two different subjects. So when we talk about the church age, that's the age that we are living in that will end with the rapture that we were just talking about. The word rapture means snatching away, where Jesus Christ is going to come in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and every saved person will go to be with Him. What a wonderful day that's going to be. Amen. That's the day that we are looking for and praying for. We're not looking... The old preacher said, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the uppertaker. Amen? We're looking for Jesus Christ to come and take us away. So now, let's... As Christians... And if you're not... Let me tell you what a Christian is. It's a person who's placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for their eternal life. It's a saved person. Are you born again? Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life? That's the only way that you can go to heaven. Dalton Robertson says there's more Baptists in Texas than will be in heaven. No one ever went to heaven because they were a Baptist. You go to heaven because, because you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life. You're not trusting your baptism. You're not trusting your church membership. You're not trusting your good works. You're not trusting the family that you were born into. You're trusting the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and His death, burial, and resurrection. Those are the people that I'm referring to as Christians. If that's not you, you're going to get to meet the Antichrist personally. Those of us who are saved, we're never going to see Him. Hallelujah. That's a blessing. All right, so let's look at the comforting message about... The Antichrist in verse chapter 2 and verse 1. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him. So that's the rapture. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. So what is that speaking about? Well, Jesus Christ is coming back for all the believers. That's what we have been referring to. Because of that, don't worry about the Antichrist. Don't worry about him. We don't need to worry about the Antichrist because we believe in Jesus Christ. And so the Bible here is telling us, don't be soon shaken, in verse 2, in mind. In mind. Make sure that you're thinking right about this. Make sure you're thinking right about it. Everybody was... Every president that comes along is Richard Nixon, the Antichrist. Well, because he was so popular. Right? People thought um, John F. Kennedy was the Antichrist. When I was a kid, I remember hearing about all of these theories. And, of course, he died, um, I think, when I was six months old. So I was really into the politics at that point in my life. I started young. No, I'm kidding. But later on, I heard that people had thought that he was to be the Antichrist. It was silly. It's silly. 
We have no idea who the Antichrist is. He's not going to be revealed. We'll see. He will be revealed. And then we'll know who he is. All kinds of figures. You know, how many of you heard this question? Is Barack Obama the Antichrist? How many of you heard that? I had somebody ask me if I thought Donald Trump was the Antichrist. Yeah, because everybody loves Donald Trump so much. The world media is going to get behind this great leader, Donald Trump. Do you see how crazy all that thinking is? It's just insane. Here's the problem. We're Americans. The Antichrist is going to deceive the world, but primarily focus on Israel. We need to look at it from a Jewish perspective and a European perspective, not an American perspective. We're not mentioned. The United States is not a part of the conversation. And we'll see some of that as we go. That you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit. So if you have somebody that says they're speaking in the Holy Spirit, that this person is the Antichrist, that person's a liar. Nor by word, nor by letter as from us. There are false gospels. As that the day of Christ is at hand. So look at verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, what does that falling away mean? No one has any idea. Lots of people come up with ideas. James Knox has an idea. And he said that the falling away is that you'll fall away from the earth, and then you'll be taken up. Because let's say that Jesus Christ comes at the North Pole, if you're at the South Pole, you're going to get a headache because you'd have to go through the earth to get to the sides of the north. And so there will be a great falling away from the earth, and then people go up. So he said that, and then he said, now I'm sure that's not what it means, but that's an idea. Nobody has any idea what this falling away is. The Greek word is apostasia, so there'd be an apostasy, but what does that mean? Apostasy is, is an apostate is one who's looked at revealed truth and turned from it. Well, that's the whole world right now. The entire world is rejecting the truth of Jesus Christ right now if you're looking at them en masse. There are individuals who are receiving Christ, but we're not seeing a great worldwide revival right now. Would you all agree with that? And so we don't know what this falling away means, but the people who are here when it happens will know what that falling away is. All right, so let's look at verse 3 again. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And then look at what it says. And that man of sin be, what's that next word? Revealed, the son of perdition. Now, the Bible says that when Jesus Christ returns, every eye will see him. When Jesus Christ comes to the earth, when he establishes his kingdom on this earth, he will be revealed from heaven and every eye will see him. Well, that's the same word that the Bible uses here for the Antichrist. When this man of sin comes, everyone will know who he is. It's not going to be subjective. Everyone will know who this world leader is. Um, now, look at verse 4. This describes him. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all. He opposes himself. Isn't that interesting? He opposes himself. He's against himself. Why is that? Because the Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. When you look at, at, at Antichrist, he exalts himself. Keep your place in 2 Thessalonians. Go to Isaiah chapter 14. 
verse 12. Isaiah 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. All right. So it's very clear that Satan is always wanting to exalt himself. And that's what Antichrist does. So go back to Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2 and verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all, look at what it says, that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. All right, so what we're going to do is if we look at this text, we can learn some things. There are people that think that there's going to be one specific religion that is exalted above every religion. That's not what it says. What it says is he exalts himself above every religion. And there's something that we need to understand. Every religion in the world is in decline. Every religion in the world is in decline. The new atheists in the United States, they like to attack the church because they say that all the churches are shrinking. All the Protestant denominations are shrinking. And that is true. That is true. Except for Bible preaching churches. Bible preaching churches are going to grow until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Jesus said that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We believe that. The Bible says in, in uh, Acts chapter 20, it says that God would receive glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages. Amen. So the church is going to grow until Jesus Christ returns. But religion itself is shrinking around the world. You say, what about Islam? What about Islam? Well, listen, what we hear constantly is that these Muslims that are killing are a small percentage of Islam. How many of you have heard that said? Right? That means Islam is shrinking because they actually represent what Islam is. And so all the people that say what they're doing is wrong, all the Muslims who say that what these radical Muslim terrorists are doing, those who say that it's wrong, are not real Muslims. And so do you see how Islam is diminishing? Every religion in the world is diminishing, not growing. That's interesting, isn't it? That's why a church like Grace Baptist Church appears to be an anomaly. Because there's an excitement here and God is working here and we're growing. And people say, people will come through here and visit. Man, I wish my church was growing like this. How many of you heard somebody say something like that? I wish my church had the excitement that Grace Baptist Church has. And, and I'll tell you one of the reasons for the excitement of Grace Baptist Church is this group right down here, Sands Patrick. This group right down here, these young people that they're excited for the Lord. They're serving God. They're sitting here. They're actually listening to preaching. Imagine that. That's awesome. That is so cool. That's because God's doing some great things here at Grace Baptist Church through these young people. And that's the future of Grace Baptist Church. It's got to happen like this. It's God's plan. And I love it. But worldwide, the concept of theism worshiping the one true God who is above all and through all and in you all, according to the book of Colossians, that concept is not growing. That concept is shrinking. Very interesting. So when Antichrist comes, the world will be set for him to set himself over every religion in the world. And he might even have a coexist bumper sticker on his forehead. 
So, verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So, you can't have an antichrist until you have a temple. And the temple has not been rebuilt. Now, when I was in Israel, I went to the Temple Institute, and at the Temple Institute, you can see that they have actually made all of the implements for the new temple. They're ready. They're ready. And from what I understand, they have actually constructed all the walls of the new temple. So when it comes time to retake that holy mount, they can build the temple in almost no time. It's not like it used to be. It took 40 years to build it before. It can be built in almost no time now. So when the Lord takes us out of here, and you'll see what that means here in a minute for the rest of the world, when the Lord takes us out of here, well, that temple could be built almost immediately, and then that Antichrist could reveal himself in that place and at that spot. All right, so now, look at what it says in verse 5. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. The mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he, till he be taken out of the way. All right, so that passage has been interpreted in so many different ways. So what is it that's withholding evil in the world? Um, some people have said it's Satan. Well, that's silly. Jesus said, would Satan cast out Satan? That doesn't make any sense. Jesus answered that one. All right. The other one is it's God. That's stopping the evil. And I think in an ultimate sense, that's true. Martin Luther used to say, there is a devil, but he's God's devil. Okay? So in a sense, it is God that is holding it back. But that's not what the text is talking about. Because God is never taken out of the way. Can't be God. The other is the Holy Spirit. And this is the way that I was always taught. In Bible college, this is the way that my father taught it when I was growing up in his church that what happens because the Holy Spirit has indwelt the believers, when the believers are taken out of the world, the Holy Spirit leaves with the believers. How many of you have heard it taught that way? The Holy Spirit is everywhere, though. The Holy Spirit's omnipresent. The idea that the Holy Spirit is taken out of the world, that doesn't make any sense because the only way that anyone will come to God during the tribulation is the same way that people have always come to God through the drawing influence of the Holy Spirit of God. And people do come to believe in Jesus Christ during the tribulation. We'll see that in a minute. But so, so the Holy Spirit can't be gone. So here's what people say. The Holy Spirit leaves in His restraining influence. Well, that's great. The only problem is those words aren't used in the Bible. So what is taken out? The body of Christ. The body of Christ. So what just as when Abraham and Lot were arguing with God about the destruction of Sodom, if there are this many righteous people, then I won't destroy it. Remember that conversation that they had with God. And what is restraining the world right now is believers. That's what's restraining the world. When all the believers are taken out of the world, there will be no stopping the evil that's in the world. All right? So we can spend some more time on that. We're not going to. But look down with me at um, verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Isn't that interesting? The mystery of iniquity. What's the mystery of iniquity? The, remember, a mystery is something, a mystery in the Bible is something that is true and has always been true, but you can't know it until God reveals it to you. All right? So Satan has been working, but we don't really know what he has been doing until we hear from God about it. All right? 
So look at what it says, verse 7 again. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then look at what it says in verse 8. And then, see that time word? You might want to mark it. Then, it's not until this other is taken out of the way that he can be revealed. And then shall that wicked be revealed. Now, this is so good. Everybody look up here at me for just a second. You know, I think one of the big problems we have in Christianity is people have their understanding of Satan and Satanism from horror movies. You know, my house is haunted. No, that's your mother-in-law. I'm kidding. My, <laughs> sorry, mothers-in-law. You can say that about your son-in-law. Is that, is that okay? Um, my, house is ha- my house is haunted. So I want to ask you all a question. What does the Apostle Paul tell us to do about a haunted house? Nothing. It's not there. You see, the way that Satan manifests himself in this world now is through doctrines of devils. That's what the Bible says. Doctrines of devils. And you'll see here in a minute that what he does is he persuades people. Doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness in high places. Is that right? And so the Bible says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Take unto you the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we, it's a battle of ideas. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are spiritual to the pulling down of strongholds. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, casting down imaginations. Does it say casting down demons? What does it say? Imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so what happens is we have this understanding of how Satan works through horror movies, through boogeymen. When, when Lucifer was cast down, did he get a tail? Did he get a pitchfork and horns and a red suit? No, no. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that his ministers transformed themselves into angels of light. To do what? To deceive people. It's really important that we see this. So go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So people have this idea of this Antichrist um, that is not from the Bible. Look at verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed, and I love this, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. It's so important that we see this. Yes, there is going to be an Antichrist, and he's going to do horrible things in this world. Number one, we're not going to be here. Number two, he can only do it because God allows him to do it. Keep your place in Second Thessalonians and go to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. So we have been looking at the Antichrist from the perspective of the Christian. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I think a lot of people spend more time thinking about the Antichrist than they do Jesus Christ. And we shouldn't do that. All right? So Daniel chapter 7, look at verse 7. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible. So the fourth beast. Remember what happened. Nebuchadnezzar had seen a vision, and he had had a dream. And he asked his magicians to interpret the dream. And they said, nobody can do that. 
No man can do that. And then Daniel came and did it. And what did Daniel say? Interpretation belongs to God. I can't give you the interpretation, but all interpretation belongs to God. And let me tell you something. That's the way we should interpret the Scriptures. Well, let me tell you what this passage means to me. What if you'd never been born? Does the passage then have no meaning? No, no, no. What does the passage mean to God? Interpretation belongs to God. And we understand the interpretation by comparing things spiritual with spiritual. Jesus said in John 6, 63, The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we understand those things by comparing things spiritual with spiritual. So here, Daniel is interpreting the vision and the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, and then God reveals more to him. And what he revealed to Nebuchadnezzar was that there are going to be four great kingdoms in the world, the Babylonian kingdom, the Medo-Persian kingdom, the Grecian kingdom, and then the Roman kingdom. The Roman Empire, most of the people talk about the Roman Empire ending or collapsing around 458 when the Vandals and the Barbarians came in and sacked Rome. They misunderstand something. There were two legs to the Roman Empire. Remember what happened when Alexander the Great died. He, at, at the age 20, of 29, he had conquered the entire world, and he sat depressed because there were no more worlds to conquer. When he died, he did this. It showed his lack of wisdom. He said, give my kingdom to the strong. Well, what is, what's that going to lead to? A war. A battle. And so what ended up happening was this kingdom was divided into four different groups. Those four different kingdoms ended up as just two. One of them would have been the western kingdom of the Roman Empire, but the eastern leg of the Roman Empire. And so remember in the vision, the legs of iron, that is the Roman Empire. There are two sides to it. The western didn't end until um, the 400s, but the eastern leg continued on the Byzantine Empire, it continued on until the Ottoman Empire in the 1400s. But as a kingdom, it continued on until World War I, and it was divided up in 1924. And what it ended up as is not only the Western Kingdom of Europe, but the Eastern Kingdoms of the Middle East. And so when we look at this prophecy, we need to understand that that fourth kingdom never really ended, and it's going to be revived again. It's, you know, you've heard the term, the revived Roman Empire. We saw the first shades of it with the European Union. That would be the western leg. The eastern leg, you're seeing it with the Islamic Caliphate that is coming back up. And the Antichrist, people say, is the Antichrist going to be Jewish or is he going to be a Gentile? He's probably going to be a Jewish Gentile. The Bible calls him the Assyrian. So out of Assyria comes a man who's probably part Jewish. And he becomes the leader because the Jews would never follow someone who is not Jewish. And we'll see why that is possibly in a minute. All right, so look at Daniel chapter 7 and verse 7. After this I saw in the night visions and beheld a fourth beast. So this is the revived Roman Empire, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. And when you see horn in the Bible, that's, that is just a person of power. All right? So Jesus Christ, the horn of David. So it has the power. That's, that's, just see power when you see horn. All right? So, and it had ten horns. So there's going to be ten leaders, ten people that lead nations that follow the Antichrist. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn. Do you see that little horn? That's Antichrist. 
before whom uh, there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. So this thing he's seeing about Antichrist is this. He's a political leader, and he speaks, man, can he talk? And he deceives many people. So it's an amazing combination of power to destroy and the ability to inspire through speech. He is going to be one of the great despots. Look at chapter 7. Look at verse 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High. And look at what it says. And shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until, look at what it says, until a time and times and the dividing of time. All right? You see that? Time, that's one year. Times, two years. And then the dividing of time, that's half a year, three and a half years. So what happens is Antichrist is revealed in what's called the abomination of desolation halfway through the seven-year tribulation period. That's what's being described. Look at chapter 8 of Daniel. So another analogy, so this little horn, this little horn ends up as a goat with the horn in his head. He defeats a ram. and So there's all that that picture that's there. Look at verse 8. So the he-goat is the Antichrist. And, he, and the he-goat waxed very great. And just so you know, how many of you have seen that they use goats in Satanism? That's where, this, that's where that concept comes from is this text. All right? Therefore, the he-goat waxed very, strong, very great. And when he was strong, the great horn was broken, for it came up four, uh, and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. And out of them came forth a little horn which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heaven. Now, do you see that? It waxed great even to the host of heaven. This is a really important concept about the Antichrist that I think most people miss when they study it. Look at what it says. And it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Yet he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down, and an host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression. And it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. So I want to show you two things from this text. Number one, remember when Satan came to the earth, a third of the angels came with him, right? And so that's the demonic host that we know about. What most people don't realize is that the Antichrist becomes so powerful in the world that he even persuades some of the hosts of heaven to follow him. But the other thing that happens, in his worship, he has a host. Have any of you ever heard of a host being involved in worship? Isn't that interesting? But here's what he does. Halfway through the tribulation period, he takes that host and he casts it to the ground. What we find is there are three characters that make up the Antichrist, the holy, the unholy trinity. There's the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. So the dragon is the Antichrist. The dragon is Satan who reveals himself as the Antichrist, and the false prophet is the one who promotes the Antichrist in the world. So this this unholy trinity and this unholy alliance brings the whole world against the one true God. 
And what happens is the false prophet is the head of this new world religion, which is either one religion that has come to ascendancy or some syncretistic combination of a bunch of different religions that the false prophet is the head of. And so the false prophet prophesies for this beast. But halfway through the tribulation period, this beast reveals himself to be Satan incarnate. Now, go with me to chapter 9, Daniel chapter 9, and you'll see where Jesus Christ talks about it. I'm sorry, where Michael tells Daniel about it. So, verse 24, Daniel chapter 9. Um, Look at verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. All right, so... I'm not going to take the time to explain that, but look at verse 26. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. All right, isn't that what happened? Jesus Christ died on the cross, not for his own sin, but for our sin. All right? But not for himself. And the people of the prince, who are the people of the prince that do it? That's Rome. All right, who, who was it that crucified Jesus Christ? The Romans. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So the people of the prince that shall come, the reason that many people have said that the Antichrist will come out of Rome is because of this verse. But we have to remember that the kingdom that destroyed Israel in AD 70, the people who sacked Israel and who crucified Jesus, they had two different legs to that empire, the Eastern Empire and the Western Empire. All right? Then look at what it says. Look at verse, uh, so look at verse 26 again. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Now look at what he's going to do. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And so in the context, you find out that's a week of years. That's seven years, and met with many for one week, and in the midst of the week, that's three and a half years in, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation, and that shall be determined, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So now, how many of you recognize that's kind of difficult language? How many of you think that that's difficult language that we just read? I'm not going to take the time to explain it to you right now. But what I can tell you is this. When you compare that with the rest of the Scriptures, what you get is there's a seven-year period where this Antichrist rules. He stays with the false religion for the first three and a half years. At the end of those three and a half years, he reveals himself to be God. And then people are either going to worship him or they're going to die. Let's see if that fits with what the Bible says. Go to Revelation... Revelation chapter 13. So we've looked at the perspective of the Antichrist in the Old Testament, and obviously we've just scratched the surface. We've looked at it from believers, the the, the position of believers. Now let's look at it from those who are on the earth after the rapture. Revelation chapter 13. Remember I talked about the unholy trinity. 
So if you look at chapter 12 and verse 17, this, it says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, that's Israel, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So if you'll write this cross-reference down right there. Oh, let's just look at it. Go to Isaiah chapter 10. I want to define for you what this remnant is. Isaiah chapter 10, look at verse 20. And it shall come to pass in that day, does that tell you when it is? And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel, and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob, shall no more stay upon him that smote them, but shall stay upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel in truth. The remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. For though thy people, Israel, be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return. The consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. For the Lord God of hosts shall make a consumption, even determine in the midst of all the land. So what's going to happen is Israel's going to go back into the land and there's going to be a remnant of them that turn to God. Look at uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10. And in that day, does that tell us when it's going to be? And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign. That's a banner or a sign of the people. And, it, and to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. That's the kingdom. You see rest, that's the millennium. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathos. And so he goes on and talks about how he has gathered them together. Okay? Now... <coughs> Go back with me to Revelation chapter 13. So during the tribulation period, God is gathering Israel back into the land and He is trying to get them to turn to Him. All right? So now, Revelation chapter 13 and verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Now, blasphemy is disrespect for God. And so we saw that from the book of Daniel and from Second Thessalonians. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So what do we have? Leopard, he's going to move really fast. The feet of a bear, he's very powerful. And the mouth of a lion, he has a roar and he has an authority that immediately people respond to. Two people use that title in the Bible, Jesus Christ and the Antichrist. So the Antichrist is trying to be who Jesus Christ actually is. Verse 3, And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. Do you see that? And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. So here comes this beast, and he's killed in a battle. But he rises again from the dead and everyone worships him. And I'm going to show you something here. Hold your place here. Go to Zechariah. Zechariah. We know that's the second to the last book of the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 11 and verse 17. Zechariah 11 verse 17. Woe to the idle shepherd. Now, notice that's not I-D-L-E. It's he's an idol. 
Woe to the idle shepherd that leaveth the flock. The swords, the sword shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye. His arm shall be clean dried up and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. So this is a physical description of the person that becomes the Antichrist. He has one eye that's been damaged and one arm that's shriveled up. All right? And that happens after this particular battle. Go back to Revelation chapter 13. <clears throat> so the dragon, the Bible says, gives him his power. Verse 4, And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue, look, forty and two months, three and a half years. Forty and two months, three and a half years. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. So what they do is they listen to his words. Now, let me see here. I want to uh, keep just put a ribbon in Revelation 13. And go back with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I want to show you how God warns the church about the methods of the Antichrist. Uh, are you all with me? I want you to see how, how God, the Holy Spirit, through the writing of the Apostle Paul to the church at Thessalonica, how He warns churches about how the Antichrist is going to deceive people. All right, so 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and look at verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of who? Satan. Satan. So that's the dragon in Revelation 13. And remember what it says, how he's cast down that old beast, that old serpent, the dragon, and the devil. All right, so Satan, the devil, the dragon, it's all the same person. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power, and signs, and what kind of wonders? What is a lying wonder? It's a miracle that exalts the miracle worker, not God. It is a miracle, a sign or wonder, that does not comport with the Word of God. So what signs and wonders were to do, the Bible says a wicked and adulterous generation requires a sign. The Bible says the Jews require a sign. The, the people that, require, that, that respond to signs and wonders in the Scriptures are the Jews. It's very important. The Bible says the Jews seek after a sign, but the Greeks seek after wisdom. So what does the Antichrist do? The Antichrist does miracles to get the Jews to follow him, and he has great persuasion and wisdom to get the Greeks, or all who are not Jews, the Western thinkers, to follow him. But what is, what's very important is biblical miracles confirm the Word of God. The purpose of miracles was to confirm the Word of God. And so what we have in the world now are people who believe if someone can do miracles, it must be from God. And it doesn't have to submit to the Scriptures. There are people that the only way that they believe that a man is of God is if he can do signs and wonders. Well, God never promised that we would do signs and wonders. He never promised us that. That was for the Jews. And here is what we have. We, if you turn on Christian television, 90% of what you see are lying signs and wonders. Lying signs and wonders. Preparing the world for the Antichrist. Now, let's go on. 
Verse 10, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Hebrews 10.31 says, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a holy God. Look at verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. What does that mean? Whereunto he called you by our gospel. How are you called? By the gospel. To the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we don't have to worry about this coming. Amen? Because of who Jesus Christ is. But what he does is lying signs and wonders. Go back with me to Revelation 13. Verse 6, And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Now let me tell you something. This is how you know that the church isn't there. Because Satan can't overcome believers. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have overcome the wicked one, the Bible says. He didn't overcome us. We've overcome him through the blood of the Lamb and the power of his word. All right, so then look at what it says. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Now look at what it says. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. You need to understand, what God is telling people is those of you who come to know Jesus Christ in the tribulation period, you better be patient. You're just going to have to wait. God is going to come. God is going to come, but you're going to have to wait through this. Look what it says in verse 11, And I beheld another beast. Now, this other beast, I don't have time to go through it, is the false prophet. All right, This here is the false prophet. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spake as a dragon. So here's the thing, man. If you look like Jesus, you can speak like Satan and deceive the world. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Verse 12, And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him. And look at what it says. And causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. So this image that they build actually comes to life through the power of this false prophet. And that image of the beast should both speak and cause that many, that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. All right? Three and a half years, false prophet preaches. Now this Antichrist, he's killed, he's revealed, he is risen from the dead. Verse 16, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. So what's going on here? Antichrist cares nothing about you. He only cares about himself. 
and his own power. He is anti-Christ. He's the opposite of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ left everything for you. Antichrist takes everything for him. It's completely opposite. And I want to tell you something. You have, again, you turn on, you turn on Christian television, 90% of it is, if you, if, if you send money, we'll do signs and wonders. Am I making it up, or is that true? Send money to me, and I'll do signs and wonders. That is laying the groundwork for this false prophet and this beast. And they control it with money. You know, there are people who believe that if they get a job, God has blessed them. If they don't get a job, it's because they didn't have enough faith. What if you live in Ghana and there's 30% employment and you get saved and there are still no jobs? Does that mean that God hates you and your faith isn't strong enough? No, it means you live in a country whose economy stinks and whose leadership is garbage. Right? It's so important that we understand this. People have a, a, a completely false understanding of who God is and how He works. And what Satan is going to do is he is going to build off all of this false religion. How many of these different religions take marks? Hindus have a mark. Ash Wednesday, you get a mark. Pagan religions have tattoos and all these marks. All of these things that are coming. Now listen. If you're here and you have a tattoo, praise God, man. I'm glad that you're here. I am so glad that you're here. I'm not saying that you have taken the mark of the beast because you have a tattoo or because you went to Ash Wednesday or because you used to be a Hindu. That's not what I'm saying. But notice how all of these false faiths, they all have to do with marking the body. And God told Israel, don't mark your body. Don't mark your body. It's very interesting. So you see this groundwork that has been laid for this false prophet. It's an amazing thing. I want you to see. Go back to Daniel. Daniel chapter 8. And I think I'm going to finish right here. Daniel chapter 8. Look at verse 25. And through his policy, this is the Antichrist, and through his policy also, he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. So manufacturing and all, it's going to prosper. And he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes. That's Jesus Christ. But look at what it says. But he shall be broken without hand. What's Jesus Christ going to do? He's going to destroy him with the word of his mouth and with the brightness of his coming. Do you see the correlation between 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 8? Yes, Antichrist is coming, but what God wants us to know is this. God's going to destroy him with the brightness of his coming, with the word of his power. Amen? That's the God that we serve. That's the Christ that we worship. What we want to make sure that we understand is this. I said I was going to finish it with the Daniel. Let's finish it with the Second Thessalonians. Just put a bow on it. This part's for free. You don't have to give for this one. Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2. The Bible says that we are not supposed to be deceived. So look at what it says. Daniel chapter 2, I'm sorry, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. 
And then that wicked shall be revealed. And this is my favorite passage on the Antichrist, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Do you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to love the truth. We're supposed to receive the gospel so that we can be saved. And we're supposed to establish a faith that is a biblical faith that is based not on fighting demons and all of that, but it's a battle of ideas. Biblical doctrine versus doctrine of devils. That's what we fight with. We don't come here looking for signs and wonders because a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And here's what people say. I would imagine somewhere in this building right now, there's someone saying, I have friends who go to a church like that. How could you say that? They need to hear this then. It's so important that we have biblical ministry because we love those people and we love the truth. And Satan is establishing a system. Now listen, it's so important that you get this. Satan is establishing a religion that is taking the truth and twisting it to fit into what he has planned for the world rather than what the Lord Jesus Christ has planned for the world. We need to get that. And every bit of error that we imbibe contributes to that. I'm saying every bit of error that Grace Baptist Church that we have contributes to it. That's why we have to make sure that we submit to the authority of the Word of God, not to any man, not to me, not to any man, but to the Word of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. If you have family members that goes to a church that has false doctrine in it, they need to understand that that's false doctrine. There are saved people that are in churches of false doctrine. But the most important thing they need to know is that they need to receive the love of the truth so that they can be saved. And then what happens is God opens your eyes to the true teaching of the Word of God. I'll tell you what, I just promise you this, if you keep looking for a miracle, if you keep looking to be healed, if you keep looking for, if you keep looking for that, then you're going to stop believing in God because God never promised you healing. I'll finish with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. <laughs> Lying preachers. First Corinthians chapter 2, and the Bible says this in verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. First Corinthians, I'm sorry, First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh... Not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus 
who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Listen, the Apostle Paul said, I came to you exactly the opposite as that of the Antichrist. I don't have fair speeches and enticing words, I don't have power, I'm weak. I'm weak. Why? So that God Himself will be glorified. There are, there's an entire segment of Christianity that's looking for the opposite of what the Apostle Paul said he came to bring. Folks, we need to make sure that it's Christ, that it's God that's glorified, not enticing words and speeches. Because all of that is setting the stage for this coming ruler known as the Antichrist. And we can say, well, we don't have to worry about it. We're not going to be here. But I don't want to contribute to it. I want to make sure that I stand against it in every way possible by proclaiming the truth of the Word of God. Amen? Are you saved today? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you've never placed your faith and trust in Him, do it today. Let today be that day. Let's stand together and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, there's more than a hundred passages of Scriptures.